with no disrespect to the first unanimous MVP in league history, that somehow the Cavs, in my heart, I believe this, even as detached as I can't be, they've got the best player on the floor every night. His, his performance was majestic in last year's finals. So I can dream that dream and, and kind of support it with, with what I think is, is you know, reality. But, but yeah, it's disheartening when you put on the TV. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they seem to be a pretty lucky team as well. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me again, thankfully, uh, my good friend, author, writer, fellow Clevelander, Scott Rabb, uh, and we are going to, I cannot even tell you what we're going to talk about, but we might, we might start crying on the air, that that's a real possibility, uh, we might just start screaming, I, I don't know what we're going to, I don't know, I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but, I, but I'll say this, we are going to talk about... Cleveland's first championship in 52 years, and Scott. Uh, all right, let's let's start at the very basics. Where where were you, and where were you? First of all, I was I was at the Wild Eagles Saloon a couple of blocks away from the queue. The Wild Eagles Saloon. Yes. Now, now, did you pick that on purpose? Was there? I mean, obviously, you were going to be included. Well, uh, an ESPN uh, film crew picked it we 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 i helped produce a 30 for 30 called believe land sure, and which is great it, and in case of a miracle they we they we wanted to put an epilogue on it in case of a miracle <laughs> we 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 got a miracle joe we we did we got an actual miracle and and that's why the the wild eagle and i would have gone to one of the official watch parties one of them sold out literally in 26 seconds online 26 seconds uh, on Craigslist, people wanted $700 for a ticket to the watch party. I don't know what, what anyone ultimately paid. I'm just saying. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. So you're, you're in the Wild Eagle Saloon. Uh, and so walk me through it. I, I want to hear all the details from beginning of the, of the moment uh, to, until, until you realize 52 years uh are over. I was with my son. We flew out uh, from, from New Jersey uh, yesterday morning. And, you know, it's Father's Day. I'm with my boy. He's 17. Uh, we made the trip to game six. We made the trip to game four. We went to Cleveland. And, you know, there, there was a, a, a nice, you know, few hundred new best friends in the world and, and some real friends. And, uh, it was, it was, I, you know, I'm still a little bit, not, not numb, a little bit in shock, yeah. uh, because, because, you know, the, you walk, you, you think about the game and, and, and all that. It was, it was a nail biter. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so the fact that, that it, it happened, you know, that the Cavs, you know, I mean, in a mythic, truly mythic way. Uh, actually got it done on the road against the 73 and nine defending jet. I mean, it just, it, it, the day was great because we spent it, you know, walking around and feeling the feelings. And then, and then when it's game time, it, it's, it's nerve wracking. It's, you know, I, I'm, I'm 63. I, I hate to play the age card because <laughs> however old we are, we've suffered for 52 years. And, and so it was hard to feel confident. It was, it was hard to feel even during the day when I felt, I've heard many times, I'm sure you have too, 
uh, this one feels different. We heard it in 95. We heard sure. it in 97. You know, we, we have heard it so many times. And, and yeah, I, I want to say it felt different, but I didn't feel different. I, I still felt, you know, I, probably not unlike you, which is, is ever hopeful, but very, very aware that we have been hopeful and had, had those hopes crushed in hideous fashion. And so as, as great as it was, kind of feeling the feelings and, and, and listening to people, talking to people, when the, when the game started, it, it was harrowing. It really felt important. And, Joe, can you think of a more, 52 years, have you ever seen a more, forget the result, just in the buildup, has there ever been a more important Cleveland sports event? No. No, I don't, I don't think that anything's even really been, I mean, you know, Game 7 of the World Series was, was huge, but huge. It, was, it was, but it was, it was different, though. It was, it was different. Um, you know, that Indians team had been to the World Series before a couple years earlier, and, and there was, and that was a weird season. The Indians, you know, went in as a wild card, and that Marlins team, nobody even knew what they were. I mean, it was, there wasn't the sense of, of just, that you're about to see something gigantic. So let me so let me tell you where I was. I, I was in Pittsburgh because I was covering. Yeah, there, I want I want you to fully appreciate the irony of this. I was in Pittsburgh because that is where the U.S. Open was, uh, and and so I was there to cover the U.S. Open for NBC, and uh, uh, so I spent the day watching Dustin Johnson, and then just as you know, it, it became clear he was uh, going to wrap it up. I said, "Well, I, I got to go." And I just left and, and I went back to the hotel in Pittsburgh and I'm in Pittsburgh. So I can't really go watch the game anywhere because I'm not going to be watching it with anybody that wants Cleveland to win. So I literally sat in my hotel room about four inches in front of the television set, uh, just clenched for the entire thing. Just, Mm. just absolutely Mm. clenched. And, but, but I had this weird, feeling and and i'm i'm really curious so you know i i don't think we need to set this up for everybody cleveland has not won a a single thing in my lifetime you were you were but a kid uh when they won the 64 championship the cleveland browns won the 64 championship even though you were there you were just a kid we've seen just umpteen torturous horrible things in in the years since then so I, I want to set it up this way, and, and I'm really curious how you felt. There were numerous times during the game, I would say at halftime, I would say early in the fourth quarter, early in the third quarter, when I was convinced Cleveland was going to lose. I, I was yeah. convinced. They were down eight. They were down seven. And not only that, it was there. You know, you, you, It's not like you could feel particularly confident that they were going to win anyway uh, going in. I was convinced they were going to lose. And I have to say, and and this is the first time I can say this, I wasn't I wasn't that sad. I, I guess maybe because I built it up so much, maybe because I knew, you know, that they weren't going to win, maybe because I you know, I I've I put myself out in those places, you know, all my life with with the with the you know, the Browns throughout the eighties and the Indians and, and, and the Cavaliers as well. I was like, okay, well, you know what? What a heck of an effort. This is a great Golden State team. I was actually, in my mind, writing the concession speech. I had it fully loaded in my mind. And then they win. And it was it was like an unlike, and obviously it was going to be unlike anything I'd experienced as a sports fan. But 
even more so because I had accepted defeat. I'd accepted it. I just like yeah. and, and and they won anyway. It's unbelievable. I I, I have to say uh, I understand what you're saying, but as as the father of my son, you know, over the years I've I've suffered. I mean, as ridiculous as irrational, I and and I, <laughs> I think we both spent a lot of words and a lot of energy uh, uh, writing about it, talking about it. You know, it hurts. And it hurts in a, in, a, in a profound way. So as the father of a 17-year-old who has ridden this train for, for and who made his choices, uh, to, you know, and I did not want him to feel that. So I could not reconcile it that way for myself. Had they gone down, it would have been noble. It would have been a lot of things. But given, given you know, I, I know, you know, my son has known a little bit of pain, but he has never been through what you and I have been through right. over and over again, times, I mean, I don't know how to, how to ascribe orders of magnitude to it, but, but you've got, unlike the 97 Indians or, or any of the, of the, the buildup, you have all the buildup, of course, and, and that's part of our experience and why we can explain to ourselves it would be okay. It would be okay, but it wouldn't. Not right. for my boy, not, not for my wife, <laughs> who's fanatical, who too early in the series stopped wearing her J.R. Smith t-shirt. She was so upset with J.R. And, and, and frankly, and, and I really, I really think I'm so eager to just get rid of, I don't ever have to think about that curse stuff again. Yes. It's done. Art, Art Modell's a footnote now, Joe. He's gone. a footnote. Just which is what he should be. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Now I, I don't, I don't have that experience. My daughters uh, are, are very happy for me, uh, but they don't care. Yes. They don't care. Uh, and my wife, to their credit, right? To, to their credit, and, yeah. and they don't care about any sports. I mean, it's not like they picked another no. team. I mean, if they picked a team, they would they would pick my team, I think. Uh, but they don't care about any sports. And and my wife, you know, she she doesn't really care either. So so it was all for me. And you know, there was there was a, a moment. I don't know how <laughs> how well you could hear it in in um, you know in the in the wild saloon that you were in. Um, but at halftime, you know, the, the analysts are talking as, as they always will. And the game, they basically said the game was over. I mean, they based now, I, you know, I'm not that I trust analysts. I'm an analyst. I don't trust myself. Um, but they, they just said it's over. It's over. I mean, Golden State's up seven. It's in Golden State. Uh, the, the, the Warriors could, the, they were getting off good looks at the, at, at three, which you can't give them. Um, Cleveland clearly was not going to be able to stay with them. The game was over and, and, and they made that very clear. And then the second half begins and, you know, and I guess I just had gotten into that mindset. Like, yeah, you know what? I, they're, they're probably right. And all of that. And then Cleveland comes out and plays fantastic, like right out of the gate in the second half and like, you know what? This is, they might not be right. They're, they're, they mean, you know, the, the underestimation, not only of, of this particular Cavaliers team, but of anybody being able to beat that Warriors team, it kind of melted away. And it reminded me a little bit of like some of these great sports of the sort of like how everybody believed that, uh, that, that George Foreman was going to take out Ali almost to the moment when he fell to the canvas. I mean, like up to that moment, people still thought, you know, there's, there's no way that Ali can beat this man. 
And and it, I felt like that. If that and I think that was part of the joy of it was it just like suddenly they looked around and 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 wow, Cleveland is going. Cleveland wins the game. That's it. I mean, it's like it, it happened that quickly. Yeah, I, I, I'm reliving it as, as you're saying it. And, yeah, I, I haven't really got my brain around it or my heart around it. <laughs> but there, there, was, there was copious weeping. And, I mean, I, 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 you know, people who, who, who knew each other, people who didn't, but, you know, really hugging it out and feeling, you know, man my age shaking, you know, with, with, with whatever he was shaking with, you know, he was crying hard. There was yeah. a lot of that. It, you know, it's so... It's so amazing that it's performance art at one level. People get worked up about the opera. You know, you know what I mean. I, I know it. You know, we we sound crazy, but it, it it's I don't know. I it's the best night of my life. Period. Yeah, it's it, absolutely incredible. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk a little bit about LeBron. Obviously, this is a, a subject that has been very very close to both hey. our hearts, but particularly to your yeah. heart. Uh, you wrote uh, a whole book. God. A whole book about it. You're writing <laughs> an, about, angry, an, an angry, an angry book, very yes, angry, an angry book, book. very yes, angry yes, book about yes. him. And you're writing another uh, that will be I'm much, trying. much less angry. Um, yeah. Is there, is there ever been a basketball player like LeBron James? I'm not sure uh, if he has any comps as yeah. a pro athlete. <laughs> Honest, there have been Bible, there have been Bible Old Testament characters like LeBron James. They, they, they weren't ballers. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I could look at myself very cynically. I could make a joke and say I might have tweaked the title of the first book had I known. Uh, I, I wrote that book out of out of uh, hate uh, and love, and I framed. You know, I used the decision to frame fifty years of personal and Cleveland sports misery, and uh, so you know, it's it's. I have a complex relationship that I'm still trying to sort out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think we all are, and I think you, you know there's there's almost two things to talk about with LeBron. One is, regardless of of how great a player he is, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. There's never been a story like this. There's never been a story of a guy who grew up in a place, uh, built up the hopes and dreams and ambitions <laughs> of that place, yeah. left yeah. that place, came back to that place and fulfilled the destiny. I mean, it is, it's biblical. It really is. There's, yeah. there's no other way to even describe the story of LeBron James. I, I always felt, and it got weird after he came back. I, 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 you know, a young athlete makes a decision based on what he thinks is best for him and his family. You know, we're Cleveland guys. We're not anti-union guys. I believe, and I know you do too. Sure. In, in, in the right. So, so I, I, I can sign a young athlete uh, to help for the crime of not being Moses, for not acknowledging that he owes us, that he's supposed to lead his tribe to the promised land, and how dare he commit that, that act of treachery and betrayal. He comes back and talks about how he has a, a mission beyond basketball, and, and so he says, wait, wait, you know, I'm Moses. I just had to train for a while. <laughs> I, don't, you know, I hardly know uh, uh, how to write a, a, another book when, when this guy uh, has... We can talk about his legacy whenever we want, but Joe, uh, the, the the drought doesn't end without LeBron, and he he kind of called his shot, which is when you think about it, beyond belief. It's, it's astonishing. It's beyond belief. It's beyond belief. I mean, the, his him having the ability to call a shot, and also him but, him choosing that shot to call. I mean, 
I think I think what is true uh, is that he, you know he 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 came to Cleveland right out of high school. I mean, he's from Cleveland, from Akron. Comes to to the Cavaliers right out of high school, and immediately the countdown begins to the championship. Everybody, I mean, there you know nobody has come into the the league. Not even not even the greatest of the great players have come into any league with the hopes and expectations and and demands that are on LeBron James. And LeBron is a remarkable person, but he's a person and he was 18 and he was 19 and he was 20 and he was, you know, there's no question. He looked around and went, wait a minute. What, what I, I can't do this alone. This is, this is too much. And, you know, you look back on it now and yeah, you see exactly why he left. You see exactly what he was thinking. I think the, the decision to come back um, was so it was, it, I, I just don't know of, almost anybody who would do that, who would make that part of the decision to come back after all this, not, not because of the ill feelings and the people burning the jerseys that was, you know, that was, that was emotional and everybody was emotional. You were emotional. I was emotional. He was emotional. Everybody was emotional at that time, but also because he kind of realized, I really do think this is the greatest thing I could do. The greatest thing I could do as a basketball player is to bring a championship home what a remarkable ability to be able to see that, you know? It, it's it's amazing, and part of me reacted to the to his homecoming essay, and and the, I, I'm not. It's not that I'm a cynic. Cynic. It's just I've been in the media for decades, sure. and as a PR, you know, if you wanted to interpret it as a as a PR gesture, as a marketing not ploy but a plan, and a and an epic rebranding or, or brand extension. I mean, it was brilliantly conceived, flawlessly executed. There was nothing about it. Again, I'm not saying it's a cynic that that wasn't kind of grandiose, wonderful, majestic, and and yet at the same time, for I think for us, for 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 all Cleveland fans, uh, every every note of his essay rang true. He has walked every step of the walk since then, and had before Game Seven last night, and and the fact that that, that he and his wife had had their their third child. Uh, just before the decision and the fact that the heat, you know, was, was not on the upswing. I mean, there, there's lots of ways to come off as a cynic about it, but the fact of the matter is, and our job is to be funded sometimes, and that's, that kind of rhymes with cynic in, in, in a lot of ways, depending on the pundit. But this, this was all those things, and now so much more. Really kind of, uh, I don't think you have to be a Clevelander, to, to, to know this was a transcendental kind of thing. I, yes. I think you just have to be a sports fan. No question. No question. Reminds me, by the way, you know, because look, obviously, I don't, there are lots of reasons to, you you know, a person does something, especially a person with as much yeah. money and as much everything on the line. But I'm reminded of a, an interview I once saw with Jerry Lewis, and they were asking Jerry Lewis, you know, who is a kind of famous, you know, famous for having a huge ego and, and not being necessarily the best guy in the world or whatever. But he's raised however many billions of dollars for uh, muscular dystrophy. And and somebody asked him, do you only do that for your ego? Do you only do that because you want to be viewed as a nice guy? Do you only do that, you know, for, for whatever these other reasons are? And he said something and I just I, it really has struck with me. He said, what difference does it make? Like, what, why, why do you care what my reasons are? What, what is, is it, is what I'm doing good 
or not. That's all. It doesn't matter. I mean, whatever the reasons are, uh, those are between me and, and God, you know? I mean, what, what difference does that make? And and I do think why what he did, he came back to Cleveland after everything that had happened and promised a championship and worked his absolute you know heart out to get that championship in every conceivable way on the court off the court driving the decisions he felt needed to be made uh pushing teammates and and lifting them and 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 knocking them down and doing everything that he needed to do and he brought home a championship i mean it, it's almost like what what difference would make <laughs> why he did it you know i mean it's it's it he, makes no difference it makes right. no difference so as a player, now as a player, okay, so they're down three games to one, and I wrote this, and 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 I'm curious your thoughts. I don't think any human being in sports, in American sports history, has ever taken over three basketball games, three games of any kind, to the level <laughs> that LeBron James took over those three games. Am, am I am I wrong? Am I missing somebody? How could you be? 41-41 and a triple-double on the road in game seven. <laughs> <laughs> against the team that went seventy three and nine and had been not not just not just admired but deified, deified. by everybody. Yeah. 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 No, I don't no I don't, way to over no way to overstate that. Yeah. I just don't think it's comparable. I don't think and look, and he didn't do it alone. I mean no nobody nobody says he does. I, I love the people that uh that are out there talking about how it, it was Kyrie that hit the game winning shot nobody on earth has worked harder to make Kyrie a great player than LeBron James. Oh my so it's, I mean, it's, it's incredible that anybody would even think like that, you know, but, but he didn't do it alone, but I, he controlled the games offensively and defensively. And, and I'm a big Michael Jordan guy. There's no way Michael Jordan could have controlled a basketball game on both sides of the court under the under the uh, under the boards, I don't think he could have. I I mean, he was a he's he's you know the greatest player. He still remains it. You know, I mean, LeBron's career isn't over, but I don't think anybody could control a game the way he did. I I honestly feel, and I have for some time, that LeBron, I, I, even in in the horror of Akron in, in the angry book, there was no point at which I didn't acknowledge that LeBron James was greatest basketball player I ever saw. And that includes, I saw Oscar as a kid when the Royals, Cincinnati Royals played at the old arena. Now it wasn't Oscar. I'm just saying that, that nobody will ever be a greater NBA champion than Michael Jordan or great. However you want to say it. I just, I just think whether you're a stats guy, whether you're an analytics guy, want to talk about win shares. If you, you know, would at whatever level LeBron isn't just on Mount Rushmore as, as right now, Oh, the greatest, forward ever right. please give me a break but, but you know I, I again i don't want a michael versus lebron argument no. because the book isn't isn't done with lebron it isn't but he's in that greatest of all time conversation i'm sorry he is it's michael you look at the at the numbers you you, you look at the metrics and and guys like zach Lowe, hollinger i mean these guys have changed my way of thinking too but look at those numbers don't just count the rings and tell me kobe is still a greater player <laughs> On his best day, Kobe Bryant didn't have the range of LeBron's skills. And really, that that's part of what makes him dominant. That will it also counts. And that, that willingness to put Kyrie and Kevin Love to force them. You remember when he would pass the ball to Danielle Marshall? Oh, yeah. For the game. <laughs> yeah. But he, LeBron hasn't changed in terms of his basketball instincts and, and, and the way he makes the right play. 
but he has really helped teach these guys in a way he couldn't have when he was a young guy. That's true. That's true. I Look, I think he's uh, such a fantastic teammate. I mean, he really is, and those guys all – you know, swear by him and in, in, in so many different ways. I mean, obviously, he's also embarrassed them at times and, and, and knocked them down. We all, we all know that. Um, but that's part of it. But I, to me, that's part of it. To me, what, what you're, when you're trying to win a championship, which is the only goal that, that, was, that was on his mind, you gotta ri- you got to rise up. You know I mean? You've, you've got to make them Oh, my rise God. Up. And uh, – Chalmers, I mean, I mean, I think LeBron sometimes called Chalmers in the middle of the night to scream at him in Miami just out of habit. And and, and I don't know if, if, if Mario and, and, and Kyrie ever spoke, but I know there were times. I know there were times. I still talk to people, you know, in the organization that, that Kyrie and, and, you know, got tired of LeBron screaming at him. Sure. And, and love certainly. Love certainly. Uh, but that's part of, listen, that, you know how hard it is. I mean, we're, we're, it's hard to win a championship, and, and Kyrie and Kevin Love hadn't been through a finals before, and it's still unbelievable to me. I'm sorry, I'm starting to yell now. <laughs> but, you know, that, that those guys, Kevin Love had a horrible first half from my point of view and came out and played his heart out in the second half. Yeah. Well, and gave them, gave them something, helped them win. LeBron, LeBron has put those guys, anyway, you know what I'm saying. No, I think that's right. No, I, I really do yeah. think that's right. All right, from a pure sort of your you know pure basketball perspective, what what happened here? I mean, why you know the the Warriors so dominant in the first four games, three of three of the first four games. Obviously, they got blown out and won. Uh, but three of the first four games, they're so dominant. Obviously, dominant all year. Um, you know, they're and they're a great, great, great basketball team. And and I do think. You know that if you're a Warriors fan and you're out there saying that Steph Steph Curry was not the same in the playoffs, I think you're right. You're probably right. Uh, he missed open shots that he never misses, and he he didn't look like he was as active. I'm sure he's he's hurt. I'm sure he's kind of beat up. All of those things, but something fundamentally changed. I mean, now personally, it's it's LeBron, but beyond LeBron, something fundamentally changed in those last three games. W- what do you think it was? It, you know, there, there are so many complex factors. Yeah, I would never claim to be uh, an, an X's and O's, I forget expert. Uh, you know, I understand some basics about switches, screens, etc. But but part of it is always scheme. That's always involved. Part of it is, you know, you know, that whole clutch performance, which to me is being able to replicate your normal game. You know, you're, you're to be able to, to, to I, like we always say about a pitcher, you know, I, he doesn't have this stuff, but he knows how he knows how to get the batters out. There, there is something about the pressure, the vice-like pressure. You know, tr- bring out all the hoary cliches, but but you know, part of it is the mental part, and and that's you know, you, you, coaches like Kerr, coaches like Lou, coaches like Coach Jackson, they had great basketball minds and even better assistant basketball minds. And part of it is the ability to inspire in in, in whatever way. There's so many different ways to look at it. Does one team really want it more? I think not. No. I do think that a leader who's been through what LeBron, LeBron's been through, I mean, the mastery that he displayed on both sides of the ball, and I, I think they did a wonderful job of, of, you know, of learning to switch both ways, you know, how to get Tristan on Curry. Yes. You know, that, that, that kind of thing, I think it disrupted the Warriors' flow. I'm not sure they had answers on either side of the court. You can't ignore the Draymond Green. Suspension—you can't ignore any any of this stuff. Uh, but 
I, I don't know. It'll take us years to figure out, you know, tease out all the, all the, different, all the different factors. Well, oh, man. No, I know. But, you know, you, you bring up a great point. And, and a guy that I think does probably deserve, you know, more credit than he's going to get because, obviously, look, we're heaping as much credit on LeBron as we possibly can, and he should. He deserves every bit of it. Um, but Ty Lue had a pretty good series when a lot of people worried that he was going to be overmatched in his first series. And one way that you could really determine that is exactly what you were saying. There was throughout the series, you would get numerous uh, switches where it would be LeBron offensively on Steph where Steph, obviously he's just backing Steph Curry down and there wasn't, and, and that seemed to happen again and again and again. Meanwhile, the the Warriors kept getting things like Tristan Thompson on 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 Steph Curry, and Steph Curry couldn't do very much with that. I mean, it was I mean it was you would think that he would be able to work free. And again, you know, I'm not I'm not a doctor. I, I don't think he's completely healthy, but Tristan Thompson stayed with him for the most part. Kevin Love on on one very very important series. Uh, in you know, late in, in Game Seven, stayed yes, with him, yes. you know, and and yet, so I think there was a huge advantage with with the switches, and I really seemed yeah. to start happening in Game in Game Five. I don't know why, you know, what happened. I thought Game Five. That's why I, th- I was when Game Five happened and the Cavaliers win. I really thought, you know what, that that's almost entirely because Draymond Green wasn't in the game. They they just didn't have any yeah. matchup. But then they went back to Cleveland and. The Cavaliers just annihilated them in Cleveland. Just annihilated yep. them. Yep. And I would say this also. All of the last three games, the Cavaliers were the better team on the floor. I, I mean, you know, yes. you, I, how, how does that happen? You know, how, how does that happen other than them lift, you know, LeBron lifting his game to a, to a previously unseen high and, and them just being – just being a little bit better than 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 you expected. Given the matchups at the start of the series, I, I was shocked. So, well, I mean, what you're saying is what I saw as well. I do want to. I do want to give Kyrie. You know, Kyrie. Kyrie will only become anything close to, to Dwayne Wade when when he decides, you know, to focus on defense sure. the way Dwayne Wade did, did especially after LeBron, uh, you know, established himself as number one. But but Kyrie. Was a huge help. Oh. I mean, he, he is what thirty, thirty, and twenty six, and he did it. You know, he did his best uh, as the series went on. He did his best work, or or they found the schemes that didn't expose him as much. But uh, he was a magnificent, magnificent sidekick. He really was. I there were times he wasn't even the sidekick, and I, you know, that's bingo. The one, bingo. the yep. one of the things that LeBron has always wanted. You and I both know this, and a big reason why he left Cleveland the first time is. LeBron is, you know, his, his, not talking about his personality, but his court personality is extremely generous. He is not in any way, shape, or form a selfish player. He's probably the most unselfish great player of the last, whatever, 50 years. I mean, you know, he, he... He wants other people involved. He doesn't want to do it himself. He gets just as much joy... Uh, out of a pass to an open teammate who makes the shot as he does making that shot himself. That has been sort of the fundamental thing of who LeBron is. So there were times that LeBron was happy. I mean, not just happy, I think ecstatic 
to just give the floor to Kyrie and just say, here, you do it. I mean, Kyrie scored 41 in game five. I mean, he was, that's, he that's was right. crazy that's right. good, that's you right. know? And, and Unbelievable. like I said before, I think the people who in any way would take anything out of Kyrie hitting the game-winning shot, not LeBron, are just completely missing what LeBron James is about. I, if LeBron, I think if LeBron had a choice, he'd rather Kyrie hit that shot. That's just who he is, I think, as a, as a basketball player. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I mean, we, we mentioned Danielle Marshall uh, earlier. I think LeBron, I, I don't even play a psychologist on TV, but I don't think it's anything <laughs> subtle. Going back to AAU ball, St. Vincent, St. Mary. Yes. You know, LeBron has always been, he wanted the family to be, you know, the team to be his family and the family to be his team. And, and you're absolutely right. And it does, it does make him unique. I mean, not that Magic didn't have it, no, or, sure. or, or, or you know, but 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 yeah, but but I mean, in terms of of the need to feel, you know, that that kind of trust and that kind of love between teammates, uh, LeBron has at least been more outspoken and articulate about that than anyone I've ever seen in the NBA about about you know the love of the game and being true to the game, but also about the trust of the teammates and preferring, just like you said. Kyrie's the leading scorer. That's an ideal thing for LeBron James. Yeah, he loves that. He absolutely loves that. Yeah. All right, so I, I'll I, we we probably should close this thing up. So let me ask you this: <laughs> your your son, who Fair you've enough. mentioned a few times, uh, yeah. he, he he does play a role as well in in Believe Land and is 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 yeah. fantastic. Seventeen years old. What what was his experience? You know, as you as you viewed it as a father. What was your experience of watching your son, who's become a huge Cleveland fan despite not living in Cleveland? Uh, oh, is- if this is the if this is the crying part, <laughs> I'm all cried out. I mean, I, I, I've been uh, you know it it I, I, unlike you know it's it's funny when parents talk about the experience of being parents. At least I'm always a little self conscious. But who could ask for anything more? Yeah. You know, I, I don't go camping. I don't go hunting. I don't go fishing. I don't build things in the basement workshop. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy whose who's only hobby or who's consuming passion in the way the best. It's Cleveland sports. So, yeah. you know, and my son, you know, born and raised in, in northern New Jersey, has a profound attachment to the city. And, and we always go back there. His first Major League Baseball game was at the Jake, you know, watching Bob Bob Whitman close one out. So so there's nothing contrived about it. There, no. it. It's the most wonderful, organic experience of my life was seeing a Cleveland team end the drought with my son. And I think he feels likewise, not that it's the best night of his life. I always tell him, don't peak too young. You know, you don't want, you don't want to peak in high school. But, but uh, for me... You know, I, I know a guy, great writer, Cleveland guy, who wrote about Hamilton. Oh, oh. And, they, and, and no, I'm just saying, you know what it's like. You wrote about it as well as anyone could ever possibly write about it. That's what it's like, Joe. It is it is a sweetness beyond me ever dreaming, uh, you know, of something. And, it's you know, something about that is universal and primal, maybe even biological. I don't know. But the, but I, I feel, you know, best night of my life and, and going forward, uh, you know, I don't have a bucket list because I don't need a bucket list. I'm the luckiest Cleveland fan ever born. It's, and it's, and la- last night was the culmination of all my hopes and dreams. And we can all cry now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so cool. You know, it's it's funny. I mean, uh, you know, I did 
uh, get to take my oldest daughter to Hamilton uh, a few weeks ago, and and, and I was her. It was her dream, and 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 being there with her, uh, watching an, an incredible show, even even obviously for for me, uh, was you know it was it's it's one of the most memorable nights of my life. Uh, I recently got to write uh, co-write a story with my 11 year old, my younger daughter. We wrote a story about root beer uh, that appeared in a magazine, and and uh, and that was incredibly cool. So that part of it is is so. You know, it's it's so cool. I mean, I think that's what made this so meaningful to so many people is I'm thinking about my dad. You know, I mean, I'm watching I'm watching the Cavaliers and, you know, my dad moved to Cleveland, I don't know, two years before I was born and raised me on Cleveland. So I, I think that's what I think that's why it's special. I really do. You, we talk. You, yes, sir. It's it's why you start at the beginning because you talked about okay you know we we all watch performance art and performance art touches us in in various ways but what is it about sports I think that's that's it it's the shared history right it's the shared history and the and the connection that it that it gives and the us year, and 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 the yearning for home yeah. as well I, I mean I mean for me and and I know for you that that's so much a part of it in this case that. That we know, you know, we we've had it good. We've had we've had a great time uh, as as guys as guys who who could who could retain their love of Cleveland and their love of Cleveland sports and go out into the world and do a bunch of but but for the city, yes. for the psyche and the spirit of the city, for for the respect that you know everyone can talk about deserves got nothing to do with it. Like Clint Eastwood says right. at the end of the Unforgiven, hey, Cleveland has deserved this and a lot of great things for a long time. We finally got one. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. I just love it. All right. It's so, the best. So now, it really is. It is the best. It's the, I, yeah. I, you know, I'm looking now at all these people who have won championships. Like, oh, so that's what this feels like. Yeah. No wonder you were so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard from a few Red Sox fans today. Um, very happy for us, obviously, as Clevelanders. Uh, but they were talking about how this, this must be what it was like for them as Red Sox fans in 2004. And my first thought was, eh, it's a little bit different, you know, because Boston has had plenty of success in other sports, and Cleveland has had no success in any sport. And but it's not different. That, that's exactly right. It's it's what Red Sox fans felt. It's what Kansas City Royals felt. Fans felt last year. It's what any long-suffering group of sports fans feel. Everybody believes that they they feel it best or whatever. But that's what it's yep. like. Yep. Everybody who is a sports fan. I, I should just feel happy for the city of Cleveland. And I think most do. I really do think most do. I think that's one of the truly sweet and, 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 and resonating parts of it is, is that, yeah, I think, I mean, not that anyone was necessarily rooting against uh, the Warriors, although by the end of the series, I, I, I think, I think the Warriors anyway, were exposed <laughs> in some ways on and off the court. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people who have no, strong attachment to Cleveland or any of those teams really did feel like, like, like they could participate in a great sports story and really share, share that kind of love. Everyone knows it's a downtrodden, hard, scrappy Rust Belt town that, that really, you're right. None, none of the other teams like in Detroit, Pittsburgh, Boston, you know, it, the drought has been a true drought. And I, that doesn't mean, mean we're the, we're, we're the, the worst that we have. What you're saying is exactly right. Everywhere has the best fans in the world. And I think those best fans understood last night. 
they were watching something special. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So now what? Now what do we do? Now we're champions. Now what? Is it? Is it? Does this change us fundamentally? I think it does for me. I I, I love you know. I could, we could always drop in a first place Indian <laughs> reference here, but but I think for me it changes things fundamentally in two ways, at least two ways. Because uh, I thought about this as much as I could. Uh, you know, given the time since we became champions. <laughs> The misery stuff's over with, yes. so that that that's gone for me. That that, that again, the footnote, or you know, whatever you, whatever else uh, people going forward might think or might suffer. You know, my son's seventeen, and we talked last night. If he goes through the same kind of drought, he'll be seventy years old. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, so so I'm good. I, I'm really good, and and you know, I, I think I think the other the other thing is I do think it changes. You can get the convention in Cleveland, and it turns out to be whatever it's going to turn out to be in July. It's not probably won't be a feather in Cleveland's cap, or, or, uh, anybody's, you know, but, or anybody's, or anybody's. <laughs> you know, but but this, but this is something that that's so delicious. It's so sweet, and we know flags fly forever because Yankees fans keep reminding me at least. <laughs> and, and so I think it is it is something to hold on to. I do, I do think it will. I, and I'm no civic champion. Lord knows, I hear from them, you know, uh, criticizing me, uh, but but I think it does change Cleveland's self-image, and I think it changes uh, our our images as Clevelanders uh, in the eyes of a lot of people. All oh, they know about Cleveland, not the not the orchestra, you know, not the art museum, but they know those teams and they know LeBron, and this is a big deal that way. All right, well. You and I, we have to make ourselves a pledge that at some point in the next whatever number of weeks, we meet in Cleveland for a corned beef sandwich and and yes. just and just cry together. That's all we have to do. What about the parade Wednesday? You up for the parade? Uh, I would love to be at the parade, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I will be working at the time, which tends to uh, tends to dampen these things. But but I will be in Cleveland in the next couple of weeks, actually. And let's uh, do it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Scott, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure. But today, Joe, I love you like a brother, and I, I know what you're feeling. And today is, is the best of all possible days for you and me. Thank you. Thank you for the, for the chance.